Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. How many of you in this room have never, ever, ever been to a missions conference before? This is your very first one. I see one hand, two hands, three All right, so three or four hands. So for most of us, we've been to a missions conference before. We have been studying the book of Galatians. We took a break last week from the book of Galatians to study about a very important teaching, the union with Christ. And we spent a lot of time talking about the importance of that union and how everything we have and everything we are is not because of what we do, but it's because of that union with Christ. And so we learned that we are to focus on a person We are not to focus on the responsibilities we have or the privileges that we have. In other words, we don't become more holy by focusing on holiness or focusing on doing certain things. We become more holy by focusing on Christ. We don't don't enjoy the privileges because of the things that we do. We enjoy the privileges that we have as a Christian because of Christ's life in us and our life in him. And so as we talk about this union with Christ, I know that in missions conferences, you're probably used to the normal routine messages, probably mostly focused on being involved in the gospel, whether giving or going or praying. But I want to look at this and I want to look for a while the different things to get you used to understanding. It's not just about going and telling people about Christ. It's not just about going to another country to witness. It's not just about taking tracks with you. It's not just about going to other folks and sharing the gospel with them. It is about your union with Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, there's no joy in this world like union with Christ. The more we can feel it, the happier we will be. So we know that we're supposed to be gospel witnesses. We know that we're supposed to take the gospel to folks. So let me ask you a question. Why is it that we don't? Why is it that it's something that is occasionally happening in our lives? And I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about the general Christians here in the United States of America. I would say that most of us would agree that it's not a commonplace thing to see somebody leading someone to the Lord, to see someone taking the gospel. There's not a person in here who doesn't believe in the gospel, probably. Most of us believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, amen? That that death on that cross paid the debt, that God accepted the debt as paid, and Jesus Christ rose from the death signifying the debt has been paid, and now we can enjoy his life by accepting him as our Savior, coming to him in full trust. We believe that. We believe that there truly is a heaven, there truly is a hell, amen? There's not anybody in here who's probably questioning the the reality of the eternity that waits for us. But why is it? I don't think it's because you don't believe in the things. If you're like me, it's because we get distracted. Satan does not come and stand in front of us and say, you must not tell anyone about Christ. He does not come and say, hey, you know what, you've got better things to do. He simply gets us busy. How many of you know what that word busy means? How many of you would disagree and say, no, 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 some people may be busy, but not us here in the United States. We're not busy. And see, that busyness tries to distract us from our union with Christ. And so I want to approach this for just a few minutes this morning, looking at our union with Christ. Did you realize that when Christ called you to salvation, he called you to union with him? Do you remember what Matthew 11 says? Come unto me. 
all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest into your souls. Many Christians get saved with the idea of thinking, I've come to Christ for salvation. Jesus Christ, salvation, that is a perk of coming to Christ, but the idea is not that Christ is offering you salvation, Christ is offering you himself. He is saying, come to me, learn of me. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have accepted Christ, if you have developed a relationship with Jesus, it is not solely for the purpose of going to heaven, it is solely for the purpose of that union with Christ. But did you realize that not only does Christ's call to salvation, a call to a union, but also his call to service was? I want you to, you've heard these words and you have memorized this passage and you probably say, well, Pastor Gover, this has to be a passage that will be preached on here during missions conference, the Great Commission. But I want you to listen to it. Jesus Christ says in Matthew 28, said, Jesus came and spake unto them, all power is given unto, who's the meat? Jesus. Jesus says, I have been given all power. Everything in heaven and earth, every resource, everything has been given to me. So, look at the next verse, you go. And the reason why Christ can say this is because we are one with him. Because our union is with Christ and when power has been given to him, when all resources have been given to him, we have the ability, we have the power, we have the privilege of going. So he says, because I have the power, because I have the opportunity, because I have the resources, you need to go, therefore. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you. Always. And we know from the union of Christ that we studied last week, it's more than just he is with us. He is in us and we are in him. And so you're in John chapter 4. And we're going to look at a very famous passage But I want you to look at this not as a lesson on how to be a soul winner or as a lesson on how to take the gospel, but I want you to see what it is that Christ is. Because you are in Christ. Because how Christ approaches life is how we must approach life. Not just because that's something we have to learn, because that's the reality of what our life is. For we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. We cannot skip this. We cannot go to something else. This morning is not just a simple plea for you to go and tell folks about Christ. It's a plea for you to understand that Christ is in you and that this is what Christ does. This is what his power is for. This is what he has given it it to us for, to enjoy and to enjoy all things with him. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump into John chapter four. Lord, bless this time as we look into your word. Help us to see, understand, And be able to apply the truth of your wonderful union with us. Lord, we thank you. Please teach us. Please help us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, Jesus, his ministry had gotten difficult. He had to leave, had to get away from what was happening. And so he took off. And the Bible says he had to need, he had to go through Samaria. And basically, in order to get to where he was going, he had to go through Samaria. That traveling was not a difficulty. What was different about what Jesus did is that Jesus had a plan for this traveling, going through Samaria. Now, you need to know what happens and what is going on in Samaria, why it was such a difficulty. Samaria was a mixed race of individuals. This goes all the way back to when the Jews were deported underneath the Assyrian and Babylonian captivities. When the Jews came back from those captivities, some of the Jews intermarried with some of the Canaanites and some of the other folks that were in the land 
and they began to intermingle like God had told them not to do. And Nehemiah and Ezra came and said, listen, you must stop this. And they commanded them to stop. But some folks did, some folks separated off. And they made their own temple. See, Jeroboam had done that way back a long time ago. He had said, listen, these are the gods you're going to serve. And he had told the children of Israel to serve there because he didn't want to lose them by them going to Jerusalem and worshiping in the temple. And so there was an establishment there in that area of another place of worship. And it was not that Jeroboam said, we're going to worship a different God. He just said, we're going to worship God our way. And that's what the Samaritans had done. And they had developed on Mount Gerizim another temple, another place to go and worship. And the children of Samaria had their own system. And as Jesus was going through, probably about 100 years before that, it had gotten so difficult between the Jews and the Samaritans that the Jews had actually attacked and tried to destroy that temple worship there in Mount Gerizim, not the actual temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus stops and he goes and he meets with the woman. Now, as he stops and meets, the disciples go and they try to find some food. And Jesus stops and talks to the woman at the well. And you are familiar with the instructions that he gives her, the life that he tells her that she has. But we're going to pick up there at John 4, verse 28, where she has already spoken with Jesus. Jesus has told her about her husbands. She realizes that he is not a normal person. Let's go back to verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah comes, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. She recognizes that the Messiah is going to come. He's going to be here. He's going to tell us what is going on. And Jesus plainly says to her, verse 26, I that speak unto thee am he. And so while Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the disciples come up. And folks, I cannot express to you how much of a shock this would be. Because... In Bible times, the rabbis were so careful, the Pharisees were so careful to try to maintain a testimony. They had gotten so legalistic that it was actually written down that it was dangerous for you to talk to a female in public. You could not walk with your wife. The rabbis would say, do not walk with your wife, do not talk to your wife, because you may give somebody the impression that you are doing something inappropriate by speaking to someone. They won't know that she's your wife. And so they actually came up with all this. You couldn't talk to your sister, couldn't talk to any female. In fact, they valued women so lowly that it said it was better to burn the law than to give it to a woman. That was the culture that they grew up in. Please don't get mad at me. Some of you just furrowed your brow and went, oh, listen, I've got five daughters. I'm not against women. Please know that, okay? But Jesus sat down and was talking with the woman at the well. Now understand, those disciples grew up in that culture. And they show up and Jesus is talking to her. And look at verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? They were dumbfounded. This was so out of the norm that they were quiet. Which is a lot for Peter. Amen? That's quite a step. It, it is difficult for me to even come up with an illustration of something in our culture that would be so out of the norm for an individual to speak to another individual. But they were so marveled they couldn't speak. He was there, he was talking to this woman. Verse 28, the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She was not saying to them, is not this the Christ? Like, hey, this is it. She was saying, could, could this be? Is, is he the one? You've got to see this. 
So she comes to the men. She does something that is also seen as being inappropriate. She goes to the men and says, listen, I've met a prophet. Then they went out of the city and came to him. So this is what happens. And then Jesus, the very famous passage we're going to look at, he says, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him. They asked him saying, master, eat. Take something to eat, Jesus. Get something to eat. And Jesus said to them, verse 32, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Now, aren't you glad that God did not write down all of the different times that you misunderstood him in the Bible for people to read about for the next eternity? (laughs) Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they said, oh, you got lunch? I did Did you stop at McDonald's? They started looking at each other. They were kind of confused. Verse 33, therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him out to eat? Did you bring him food? Hey, Andrew, did you bring him food? Peter, did you bring, John, did you? They were all looking at each other. And I could just see Jesus. Now, Jesus was all man. And I could see them asking each other back and forth. And Jesus is going, okay. All right, fellas, listen. My meat, verse 34, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, first off, and I want you to see this, what excites me, what energizes me, what gives me purpose is the Father's work. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but the disciples went to the town. What did they go to town for? Do you remember? To buy food. How did the disciples have money? A lot of people never stopped to think about this. They weren't robbing banks, correct? So how did they get money? Just checking pay phones to see if anybody left anything in there? No, Jesus and his disciples would have worked at different jobs to support themselves, to be able to have enough to live on. Now, they slept outdoors. They didn't have to maintain a house and a mortgage and things like that. But Jesus went around. He took care of himself. He did have work. In other words, Jesus had a life he did have to take care of. In fact, Jesus had 12 disciples that he was kind of in charge of, that he had to make sure we're going to have enough to be able to eat. And sometimes Jesus invited more people than the food they had. Do you remember when he invited thousands of people to sit down? He said, hey, let's feed them. And they said, "Uh, we don't have enough money to feed them. And so Jesus did have a life. He did have work. But he said, listen, my work is not to support myself. My work is not to get enough food to feed myself. My work is to do the will of the Father. And I can see his disciples just looking at him. Can't you see him just kind of being curious? And so Jesus says there in verse 35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Commentaries are divided over this, but I don't believe that this was necessarily four months until the time of harvesting. I believe this was a saying. This was a saying that people would use to say, hey, we'll get to that tomorrow. Manana. We'll get to that as soon as we can. The check is in the mail. That kind of, it's just a colloquial saying that says, hey, I need to get to that, but I don't have time to get to it now. What Jesus is saying is saying is don't fool yourself with agreeing that something needs to be done. That's not enough. Jesus says, and this is what I want you to get this morning. He says, get out into the fields. If I were to stand in front of you today and ask each one of you as you left this room this morning, do you believe in telling folks about Christ? I doubt one of you would look at me and say, oh, that's your job, bubs. It's not mine. I'm just here to warm a pew. I think all of you would look at me and say, yes, we should tell folks about Christ. And I believe all of you plan to tell folks about Christ. But how many of us are out in the fields? 
And what Jesus is saying to these disciples and what Jesus is saying to you this morning is don't fool yourself by saying, yes, I'm going to tell someone about Christ eventually. He says, get out into the fields. Get out there. Grace Baptist Church, that's my challenge to you this morning. Get out there. Pastor Goforth, I have to work a job. Listen, I work at a church. Can I tell you there's enough to do with this church that I could never have time to tell somebody about Christ? There's enough busyness to keep us active here at Grace Baptist Church to never have an opportunity to go. But Jesus says, don't say that you plan on it. Get out there. Look what he says in verse 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye entered into their labors. For sake of time, I just want to go, a few, go through a few things really quickly, a few quick applications to challenge you. Number one, I want you to realize that Jesus refused to be isolated. Jesus refused to be isolated. He did not isolate himself from the will of his Father. I do not know what it is that your job, I know many of your jobs, I know many of the, the different things that you do throughout the day, I know many of the things that you have to get accomplished and have to get taken care of, but can I tell you, have you isolated yourself from the will of the Father? Have you gotten so busy in rearing the children, so busy in mowing the grass, so busy in teaching the class, so busy in running the business that you cannot, with Jesus, say, my meat is to do the will of my Father? Folks, it happens. It happens slowly sometimes. Busyness chips away at our schedule until we get to the point where we no longer have time. Jesus did not let, did not let busyness keep him from the isolate, being isolated from his father. But not just that, folks, he wasn't isolated from the lost. Do you know there's over a hundred times when in the New Gospels, when Jesus is recorded as interacting with somebody, do you know over a hundred times, less than 10 of them were at the temple or at a synagogue? I am glad for the fellowship that we have here at Grace Baptist Church. But how many of you have figured out that there's not a lot of lost people flocking to 416 Denham Avenue? They're not running through and we're standing out there with nets waiting to catch them. The reality is the lost folks are around everywhere. But Jesus did not isolate himself from the lost. I don't know who I read this in, but I read this in one of the messages. I wrote it down. It said fishing in a bathtub is the most convenient way to fish. It's close to home. You never have bad weather, but the fishing's lousy. And the reality is, many of us have become so isolated, we exist in the bubble of 416 Denim. And it's easy, isn't it? Well, we, we bring our kids to school here, and then we bring them to after-school care, and then we uh, take them to youth activities, and then we take them to Saturday uh, ball games, and then we come back on Sunday and then you say, well, how am I going to witness unless somebody gets in an accident on, on the way to church and then I can talk to them while we wait on the police? But see, Jesus said, I'm not going to be isolated. I want to encourage you to draw close to sinners. I want to encourage you not just to not be distant, but I want to encourage you not to be unprepared. Jesus walked up to that well, and some of you may think it's cheesy, but he said, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water. I remember one time I was 
witnessing with Chris Phillips. We were right across the street, right across Platte Springs at the, uh, at the apartments right there. And we were knocking on a door, somebody who had visited, and the door behind us opened up and said, hey, can I talk to you folks? And we both turned around. And before we left, I gave Chris a hard time because he brought his family Bible. I mean, it was a seven and a half pound large print Bible. And I thought, well, good, Chris, they're going to see the Baptist preachers coming from a mile away. Nobody's going to answer the door. We got up there, knocked on the door. No one came. And I looked at him and said, see, they probably saw us coming and they're hiding. The door behind us opened up and said, hey, can I talk to you guys? And I said, you want to talk to us? He goes, yeah, you're insurance salesman, right? And Chris Phillips grinned, looked at me and said, we've got some fire insurance we can offer you. And I thought, oh, man, you did not just say that. She said, just fire insurance? He said, well, yeah, but it's a really good policy. And we walked in, and Chris led her to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you have to come up with a cheesy line and be ready to be, you know, have have some quip to give out. Let me ask you a question. How prepared are you to share the gospel at your work? How prepared are you to share the gospel in your neighborhood? How are you looking for opportunities? Jesus was not distant. Jesus was not reserved. He was prepared. But not only did Jesus refuse to be isolated, Jesus refused, he refused to be indolent. He, he, he refused to just be passive, to just kind of let things happen. He said, listen, I'm going to go out and I'm going to seek He was active, he was looking, he was alert to the situation. He was wise in his approach, but you know what else happened? The Bible tells us, we didn't have time to read this, the Bible tells us that after he witnessed to them, the people, instead of him just passing through, the people said, listen, can you stay for a couple of days? Can I tell you what happens when you're witnessing? Witnessing almost always ruins your schedule. People rarely get saved on the time frame that you need them to get saved. They rarely get discipled on the time frame you need them to get discipled on. But Jesus said, I'm not going to be isolated, I'm not going to be indolent. But then lastly, and we're going to finish, Jesus refused to be insignificant. He said the reaper and the sower both get wages. Now, can I tell you, it is exciting to be a part of the reaping. Don't get get fooled into thinking that we reap. We don't reap. Jesus reaps. He's the one that saves the soul. But sometimes we get to be close. We get to be nearby. But you know what the reality is? Jesus Christ is telling the disciples, listen, I want you to get out into the field. I want you to get out in there. And I want you to be busy about the Father's business. Many times in churches, we like to focus on how many people we've led to the Lord, how many people we've witnessed to, how many tracts we've passed out, all these different things. We want to look at numbers and we want to look at these things. But Jesus says, no, just be busy in the Father's fields. He'll take care of the wages. He'll take care of the wages. And so Grace Baptist Church, my challenge to you this morning is to get out into the fields. Deacons, get out into the fields. Church staff, school staff, get out into the fields. Some of us have the fields brought to us. We have young people in our school. We have young people in our class. We don't know what their eternal destiny is. Get out into the fields. It's going to take some giving up Netflix time. It's going to take some giving up of some workout time, some rest time. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be difficult. But if you decide, listen, I don't want to live an insignificant life. I want my life to matter. 
Just imagine the joy. I mean, just think about this. There are so many, just that testimony that Miss Elsa shared with us. There are so many people that have been impacted. There is no way. As quickly as she ran through those slides, and how many of you thought she had about, I don't know, 50 to 60 slides too many for that, that slideshow? She said, look at this. Bop, 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 bop. And she covered 14 years of her life. But she doesn't even know the people that she's invested in. But she's been in the field. Grace Baptist Church, I want to encourage you. Get out into the field. Don't let your life be wasted. Don't be discouraged if you haven't seen someone come to the Lord. Don't be discouraged if a person that you've been discipling begins to fall away. Don't be discouraged in the work. Just be faithful. Because it's required in stewards that a man be found not successful, faithful. And you can be faithful. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. A simple message this morning. Jesus Christ, his life is in us. We are in him. Jesus Christ said, I am busy with the Father's business. I wonder how many of us this morning can say, yes, that's me, Brother Goforth. I'm busy in the Father's business. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just asking you to be honest. It's time to quit making excuses. Well, Pastor Goforth, I'll get there one day when I don't have small children. Well, Pastor Goforth, I'll get there one day when I don't have young children. Well, Pastor Goforth, I'll get there one day when I don't have grandchildren. Where is your field? Where is it that God has called you? Where is it that he is laying on your heart right now? This is not a plea for more people to show up on Saturday visitation. This is not a plea for more people to stop by and take tracks. This is a plea for you to enjoy your union with Christ. Because Christ is out in the highways and hedges. My request is that you join him. That you head out. That you enjoy the life that Christ has put in you. Invest and sow. We're going to have an invitation. Perhaps you're here this morning. You don't know Christ as your Savior. We talked about Christ dying on the cross, about him inviting you to come and have him. To come unto him, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Maybe that's you this morning. You labor, you're heavy laden, you're under the weight of sin. You're struggling with the difficulty of what has been happening in your life. And you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I want to give you an opportunity. An invitation is where we have a time to invite you to act on what you've heard in the message. If you're here, whether you're a church member, a first-time visitor, or a long-time attender, if you're here and you do not know Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to come forward so we can take our Bible and show you how you can know Christ. But I also want to invite each and every one of you that already know Christ. I want to invite you to tell the Lord exactly what it is that you need to do to be a doer. Exactly what it is that you need to do to get back out into the fields. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us in this invitation. Help us to be obedient to your word. Lord, we ask that you would work mightily. In Christ's precious name, as the piano plays, as Brother Dave begins to sing, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, I want to encourage you there to sit there at your seat. Or perhaps kneel here at the front. 
as he sings a verse of Have Thine Own Way, can you truly echo those words and say, Lord, I want you to have your way. Help me to be about your way, busy about your business. As Brother Dave sings, you come. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the power. 